0: Nick at Night is a production of Council Communications.
1: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Nick at Night Show. Boy, have we got a show lined up for you tonight. I got giveaway passes tonight. We got all kinds of content. You got me. <laughs> okay, the numbers are 343-700-4390, 844-562-4766. That's 343-700-4390 or 844-562-4766. You can also send me an email to Nick at LateNightCouncil.com. You can also send me a message on Facebook. I'm keeping an eye on that. So pretty much any way of communicating you have available to you this evening to get your point across. And I certainly hope that you'll join us because what's the point of having a talk show if all you ever do is just listen to me? I mean, that's worthwhile, I grant you. But at the same time, it's a lot more fun when you've got somebody to talk to. (laughs) All right, so remember... It's as much your show as it is mine. Now, i got a whole bunch of stuff for you tonight. I want to get into all kinds of different things. I want to get into International Women's Day. Um, There's a a bunch of things that I think are are worthwhile and that we need to talk about. But you know something? There is something about what we call cowboy humor that I really get a kick out of. Now, I've got a more in-depth clip to play for you a little bit later. Uh, by Ben Shapiro. But this guy, I'm not even, his name is Chad Prat- Prather. And <laughs> he does these video YouTube videos sitting in, it looks like, his Suburban or uh, King Cab truck or something like that. And he just oozes common sense. And he's talking about this whole transgenderism. Okay, now, so to set this up for you, he's sitting in his, his ca- he's, he's got his um, cell phone, I think is what he's using to record it. On the dash of his pickup truck, he's sitting in his cowboy hat and his plaid shirt, and he looks like any kind of guy you'd meet walking down the street. All right, so this is his take on this whole—you uh, know—babies don't know what gender they are till they're old enough to talk. Kind of nonsense. Here he is. I saw a post on social media
2: where a young person identifying as a lady asked, "Why do people think it's okay to call babies he or she?" She said they can't speak yet and say their preferred gender. She went on to say that we should just refer to them as baby self or toddler self until they can say their pronoun preference. So I've taken the liberty of giving the author of that post the name of stupid self because that's where the world really is headed. Pure stupidity. I'm not being mean. It's beyond ignorance. It's beyond simply not knowing. It's the active creation of moronic thinking. You see obviously stupid self doesn't have any kids of her own. If so, I'd love to know what colors her baby self picked out for the nursery. Did stupid self take baby self to Sherwin Williams to pick out color swatches to paint the nursery? Can we even use the term nursery anymore? Does that suggest discrimination? against the elderly i don't know this language fluidity fluidity has me confused maybe now we call the nursery the developmental center for human environmental science it's got a little ring to it did baby self choose to nurse from the breast milk of the mother self or the daddy self because i believe if baby self chose to find nutrition at the breast of daddy self then baby self is going to be a very skinny self someday soon somebody needs to call the pc police look i got five kids three girls two boys The girls do girl stuff, and sometimes they do boy stuff better than the boys do boy stuff, yet they still take pride in being girls. My boys have been seen playing with Barbie dolls. They use them as cannon fodder in the reenactment of the Battle of Endor. Gender fluid my left ovary, and I know I don't have any, but I can identify Stupid self, the only thing fluid is your brain matter. You see this hat? This is a cowboy hat. And although the PC police would probably like to call us bovine control officers, not cowboys, cowgirls sometimes wear them, too. Still call them cowboy hats, and don't watch things on TV like The Bachelor. That's chauvinistic and gender biased, or as I call it, thirty dirty hookers in a hot tub hunting a flower because Mom and Dad didn't teach them early on what being a real lady is all about. You're so mean. Oh, you can't call them hookers. You're just a dirty old man. I think you mean a sexually focused masculinity icon that's chronologically gifted. Where was I? Oh yeah, I was talking to stupid self. Look here, stupid self. We give birth to babies, and those babies are born with certain chromosomes that determine their gender. That gender is very visible on the outside of their bodies. It's not hard to pick them out. Baby boy becomes boy child, boy child becomes young man Young man becomes grown ass man, grown ass man Spends his entire life teeing, standing up off the porch Do you get it? Now I know that in some of your minds The idea that boys and girls are fundamentally different today Is equivalent to being racist, homophobic, or sexist Instead of creating confusion like this Like I saw a dude downtown just today Riding a man's bicycle, wearing a dress But I digress Why don't we affirm what God has so magnificently created In the different genders And embrace those differences with pride I gotta get out of here I just dare you to be normal Just try, try to be normal. I love you, stupid self. God bless. Here's (laughs) Facebook. Okay,
1: (laughs) I hope you got as much a laugh out of that as I did. Talk about common sense and just. (laughs) Oh my lord, that was funny. Oh man, I'm telling you, that kind of stuff just, it just kills me. I just. My wife sent that to me, and I said I wasn't going to play it. I said, you know what? i got to share that, not just on Facebook, but with the listening audience, too, because he's right, (laughs) especially about the baby self becoming really skinny really soon. (laughs) Okay, anyway, it just shows you how twisted my sense of humor is. Now, to get to the more serious stuff, today is International Women's Day. Now, I want you to be very – I want you to listen – intently to what I'm going to say I think it's another waste of time not that I don't like women good lord uh, I like them so much I married one I live with about a half a dozen of them is uh, it that many you now yeah, around there uh, let's see one, two, three, four, yeah, five anyway at one time there was almost a dozen of them and you know what they are one of the greatest joys in my life so it's not an anti-woman bias. I'm not, what was that word they use now for guys who hate women? Mischionic or something like that? Who cares? I, I I really adore women. Okay? I think it's normal. I think it's healthy. Anyway, the point is that with these international days, whether in this, in this case it's International Women's Day, and I've got an, something on that too. Talk about screwy left-wing thinking. But I'll get to that in a minute. But when we have a day, like International Women's Day, how come there's no International men's Day first of all, isn't that by its nature discrimination? Well, it's a man's world. you can't you can't celebrate uh, 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 something like that when it's it's because it's a man's world and women have to fight against it. Why? They do better than we do anyway. Anyway, the point I'm making is when you take a large a massive group of people, 51 or 52% of the population. Let's, for the sake of discussion amongst friends, let's say that women make up half the population, all right, 50%. And you paint them all as they're all amazing. Then nobody is. What's that saying from the movie The Incredibles? If all of us are superheroes, then none of us are. Or if all of us are special, that's it. If all of us are special, then none of us are. Well, that's ridiculous because, look, we all have gift, different gifts, strengths, and weaknesses. And in one sense, we are very unique and special in that sense. Yes. I don't deny that. But look, when you have a group that large, you're going to have some amazingly brilliant you know, uh, people to look up to and edify, and you're going to have some monsters. You're going to have some people you wouldn't want to be anywhere near in a group that's that large. And I don't care whether it's men or women or... You know, it doesn't matter the group. It's this, 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 the attitude that I have a problem with. I'm only using International Women's Day as, a, as a, a launch pad for this. It's not that I don't think women deserve recognition when they do things, but understand something. Recognition only really matters when you've done something to accomplish it, to achieve it. I don't know, it, it didn't happen in my time when I was in grade school, but. I know that when they have track and field day in many jurisdictions, all the kids come home with a ribbon and it says participant. That way nobody feels left out, everybody got a prize. What? What kind of lesson life lesson is that? What kind of nonsense is that? Look, one of the reasons you have competitive sports, and I'm using, you know, this is just to make a point here. The reason you have competitive sports is so that you can learn that you're not always going to win, but you should always do your best. Sometimes you win, as Zig Ziglar used to say, Some you win some, you lose some, and some are rained out. And that's the way life is. So why should school, which is preparing you for life, give you a false sense of security? So getting back to this International Women's Day, look, if you want to celebrate women who have done incredible things, I'm all for it, but do it because of what they did, not be oh, not because they belong to a group they had no choice in joining. Okay, that's part of the reason why I played that transgenderism clip right off the bat. Although I didn't, I didn't really think it that way; it just worked that way. That you don't have a choice about your gender, no matter what the the. the people walking around with their heads all screwed up or trying to tell us today. You don't have a choice. You're born either male or female. That's it. So to be rewarded for something you have no control over is the same thing as being rewarded for something you had nothing to do with. Look, I got the uh, Queen's Jubilee Medal, and it was an honor. I don't deny that. Um, I got it while I was still on the radio. And during a break in the show, my member of parliament came in uh, into the studio, and I got it while I was on the job. Now, okay, fine, great, but I asked myself about about it, and I thought about that award later. What did I do to deserve it? What, what? In the the caption read, "For your contributions to our community." What? I'm just doing my job. You know, I'm just, I'm a, uh, I'm, a I'm a talk show host. I'm, a, I'm somebody who comments on 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 um, on current affairs and different situations. I hadn't done anything special. I didn't save anybody's life. I didn't invent something that, that uh, wiped out a dread disease. You know, I didn't throw myself on a hand grenade to save my buddies during, during combat. No, I just was doing my job. I don't believe in handing out notorious awards when there is no merit. And I, when I look at this International Women's Day or International This Day or International That Day, What I conclude is, this is nothing more than affirmative action. That's all this is. This is more symbolism over over substance. This is more sizzle over steak. That's what this boils down to. Now, there are certainly women within our culture and our society who are deserving of our praise, recognition, and gratitude. I'm not saying there isn't, not by a long shot. I mean, in my life, it's, it's my wife. I'm her biggest fan. Why? Because she is an amazing woman, living with me for 33 years, 34 this summer. If that doesn't get her into heaven and get her, you know, she's on a, on a track of sainthood just putting up with me. Never mind the eight kids. Never mind running a not-for-profit. Never mind doing all the things that she does on a daily basis. Okay? Never mind all that. I'm her biggest fan and her biggest and she's my she's my hero. It's not because she's my wife. Well, yes it is because she's my wife, but it's also because she's an amazing woman. I am very proud of the things that she does. But it's because of what she does. Not about a choice she couldn't have, she didn't have any control over. It always comes back to merit. And there's nothing notorious about being born one gender or another. I just don't understand this, and I sound like a raving lunatic sometimes. I know, but you gotta you gotta stop and say say to yourself, if one of my favorite examples is take back the night marches. Oh, we we you know we're gonna we're gonna walk down the street. We're all gonna hold candle vigils. Look, if it makes you feel better, fine. You know, it's supposed to be a free country. So if you want to get together and march down a street in Eganville in the rain and whenever it is, or in any other local community, all right, fine. I'm not going to say the, I'm not going to stand there and say go home. Yeah, no, I'm not going to be at the parade. Okay, I'll probably be home watching the Leafs game. But the point I'm making is you're not changing anybody's mind. There's no substance to what you're doing. Well, we got to take a symbolic stand, and there are certainly times in life when symbolic stands are vital. This just isn't one of them because the people whose minds you're trying to change aren't going to watch. Even if they do, they're laughing at you. You know, spousal abuse is what Take Back the Night is all about. they got to put an end to spousal abuse. Well, how's that working for you? Because that's not the root. route. Having, uh, that's not how you fix this. So, anyway, when I look at this whole uh, situation, no matter what day you want to pick... No matter what day you want to uh, what say the dog day, I don't care. Well, you know, in this case, it's International Women's Day. There are certainly some amazing, unbelievable women. I have a friend of mine who's a, who's a doctor, and um, she works at, the, at a, a small uh, country uh, hospital. She is an incredible woman, just is one of the, you know, an amazing doctor, knows her stuff, um, when <laughs> I cut my—I f- nearly lost the tip of my finger to a wood splitter about a year ago and she was on call and I'm in agony because believe it or not there's a lot of nerve endings in that little piece of flesh and it hurt a lot and I'm a big baby so I'm in there feeling sorry for myself she walked in and said, what'd you do? so I held up my finger <laughs> I said, oh, okay she looked and I said, yep, you'll, rinse. you'll live and they rinsed it out with saline solution and I was out the door and you know, with some antibiotics and that kind of stuff. And just very practical, very... You know, I have a lot of respect for Maria. I really do. She's an incredible lady. So there's all kinds, and she's only one of hundreds of, th- of examples I know of. So it's not about women specifically. I'm having a problem. I'm having a problem with these days that we set aside. You know, it's like Black History Month. Listen to what Morgan Freeman has to say about Black History Month. It's about, you know, all these these native days, or these these days where we take massive groups and try to celebrate how wonderful they are on a massive scale when it, it really doesn't mean anything. So anyway, that's my rant on that. It's, it's just enough that when you sit and think about it, why do we do this stuff? Is it just to overcome a sense of guilt, shortcoming in our own lives, a way of distracting ourselves from the problems that we have? And I'm including myself in this. You know, Is this nothing but a smokescreen or a way of, of fooling ourselves into thinking that, oh, I'm a great person after all? Are you? Well, yeah, actually, you probably are. I'm not going to sit here in judgment and say, oh, no, you're not, unless I'm looking in the mirror. That person I pass judgment on all the time. So anyway, that was just one of the things I wanted to get off my chest was this whole thing about National Women's Day. Now, to go um, along with that, there is a story, and I've got it. It's out of the Toronto Sun. You're not going to believe this. Now, just like I was just finished saying, that we have—here uh, it is. Okay. There's, a, there's all kinds of women deserving of recognition— Okay. We don't need a national woman. I guess what I'm really saying is we don't need an International Women's Day. Let's, If, if you want to, uh, if, we, if we go with the merit principle, then we will recognize women along with men because it won't matter whether they're male or female. It'll matter what they've done. That is something I think is, is the way, if you're going to do something like that, do it this way. But in the name of um, trying to find women to edify, Here's a group that got it completely wrong. How they, how they justify this, I have no idea. So this is posted today. Uh, let's see, it's out of the Toronto Sun, and it starts out this way. A confirmed Nazi who lamented being unable to commit suicide at Adolf Hitler's side is being honored by a Canadian-based women's aviation group. The Institute for Women of Aviation Worldwide selected late German pilot Hannah Rich, the first woman to fly a helicopter as its honoree for 2017. She will be featured on posters and in videos and her accomplishments recognized at an airfield in La Chute, Quebec, this weekend. (sighs) The article goes on to say, She was an amazing pilot. Mireille Goyer, the founder and president of WOAW, told the CBC, I looked at everything she had accomplished in terms of piloting skill. If you're aiming to talk about her maybe controversial part in political history, to me that's not relevant. What? What do you mean it's not controversial? The woman was a Nazi. The Nazis were responsible for World War II. 36 million people died. It's not controversial. It's outright outrageous that you would pick somebody like this. Says she's an amazing pilot. Well, you know who else was an amazing pilot? A guy by the name of Eric Hartmann, if I got it right. Let me just scroll down here. Uh, Eric, yeah, Hartmann. sorry. Uh, his nickname was Booby. He was the leading German fighter pilot of World War II. 352 confirmed kills. We don't go around saying he was an amazing pilot, even though he was. You see something? Here's This is the part I, I just about lost my mind. What an insult this is. Do you realize that guys like Hartman killed our relatives, our forefathers, shooting them down in bombers and in fighters and trying to put an end to the Nazi tyranny? We call it a tyranny for a reason. I just, I'm blown away by this, that they would even think for a second, it says not relevant, it's absolutely relevant, it's absolutely relevant. Given her Nazi past, calling Reich controversial would be an understatement. No kidding. She died in 1972, 1979 and was the star of Hitler's propaganda machine before and during the Second World War. She was the only woman to, won, woman to win the Iron Cross First Class and the Pilot Observer Badging Gold with Diamonds, the highest wartime award she could receive. It's like getting the, that's the German version of the British, um, Medal of, not Medal of Honor, come um, on, Victoria Cross. I am not ashamed to say I believed in National Socialism, Reich said in an interview with journalist journalist Ron Leitner before her death in 1979. I still wear the iron cross with diamonds Hitler gave me, but today in Germany you can't find a single person who who voted Adolf Hitler into power. Many Germans feel guilty about the war, but they don't explain the real guilt we share that we lost. This woman is totally unapologetic, totally unapologetic responsible for the murder of not only 6 million Jews, but handicapped, um, uh, mentally handicapped, physically infirm, gypsies, Catholics, homosexuals. All these people died for no other reason than the fact Hitler didn't like them, saw them as flawed instead of his perfect Aryan race. And this group thinks that this woman is suitable to be honored as one of the greats of aviation? Why not Baron von Richthofen then, the Red Baron? Shot down 80, 80 enemy eighty Allied pilots during World War One. I. I mean, why don't we honor him? Oh, I forgot—he's a guy. Sorry, forgot it. Because apparently, nothing's unforgivable on this day if you're a woman. <sighs> Although Reich was a committed Nazi, she also had a record-setting uh, as a record-setting pilot aviator, a test pilot who was nearly killed landing an experimental M- Messerschmitt Me 163 jet plane, whose sole purpose in life, by the way, was to shoot down Allied bombers. That's what the Me 163 rocket plane was all about. Anyway, what it just you know something? It's enough to make you go crazy. It's enough to make you say, "What are you?" doing? This is an insult to the real hero. You know something? They could have picked somebody, and I can't remember her name at the moment. She was a Canadian. She died in the 1970s in a helicopter crash. Started out flying as a ferry pilot, flying um, bombers, uh, Lancasters and Halifaxes and all the different bombers we were using during the war from um, North America Over to Europe to be used in the air war. She went on to do that. She flew. She flew. uh, Dispersed. She was part of a dispersal squadron where, when new planes would come in like Spitfires and Hurricanes, she would fly them to their airfields. And after the war, she went on to become a a pilot instructor. Why didn't they honor her, a Canadian? They gotta pick a Nazi. What a freaking insult! I'm sorry, folks. Uh, This is outrageous absolutely outrageous. All right. Now, what we're going to do, take a little break, and we get back. We'll have more on the Nick at Night Show right after this.
3: CEO of the Greater Ottawa Truckers Association, the voice of independent truckers in the Ottawa area, and proud supporters of Nick at Night. Every day we go to work to help build a better eastern Ontario, and safety is our top priority. Every start of the shift, our drivers perform inspections on their truck so we ensure that our drivers go home to their families each night and you, the public, have confidence that the big truck beside you is safe. If you have any issues relating to any size truck, I encourage you to contact me at 613-738-1639. Let's build a better, fatality-free Ottawa together.
1: I should mention, by the way, that sometime between now and the top of the hour, I've got two more laugh passes to give away. And if Mary from Alexandria is listening, you need to send me your your um, send me an email with your with your civic address so I can send you your your passes that you won last week. Excuse me. Now, I have these are called laugh passes. They're for yuck yucks here in Ottawa. I was in there a couple of weeks. Um, not this week, but last week. And uh, got a chance to talk to the guys down there, and they were very gracious and gave us uh, some passes to give away. These are free passes. They expire May 31st this year. Uh, it's free entry to regular price shows, excluding Saturdays. Um, you, All you have to do is call. I will have a skill-testing question for you, and believe me, it's going to be at least as tough as the one that Mary had to answer. Uh, rumor is it might even be the same one. Um, but anyway that's besides the point and it'll get you into uh, one of the best little clubs in Ottawa and you will certainly have a laugh that's for sure they have when i went in there they had a a, a billboard Not a billboard yeah kind of a poster board and it had all the different acts and it was really interesting to see the different kinds of acts they had in it was a, it was like a smorgasbord so you can certainly take the passes their website the website address is yuckyucks.com. Um, and when you go there, you can see what acts are coming and kind of pick your time and, and uh, take the passes and go on in and tell them that uh, Nick sent you. They, that'll put a smile on their face to quote John Council um, or steal from John Council, I should say. So it, when I say so, uh, give me a call. Actually, you know what? We'll do it right now. Give me a call at uh, 343-700-4390, 844-562-4766. That's 343 700 4390 or 844-562-4766. The first person through. Uh, you've got yourself a set of passes to Yuck Yucks here on Elgin Street in Ottawa. Uh, it's a great club. They've got good food down there, and believe me, it'll be an evening of chuckles, you won't soon forget. So there they are. They're sitting right there on the shelf. All I gotta do is put your name on them and then send me an email once you're the once you're the confirmed winner, whoever wants to be the first one through. Uh, we'll write your name on the back and you send me your civic address and an email and I'll mail them out to you and you'll have them in your hot little hands and have a great night down at Yuck Yucks okay now there is a double standard out there that's driving me out of my mind it is really driving me crazy a couple of weeks ago I played a couple of clips um, some of the things that are said inside mosques that are not considered hate speech Okay, they're not, because if they were, they'd be prosecuted as such. And that's where they have prayers about giving uh, Muslims uh, you know, dominion over the world and want to kill all the Jews. And it just goes on and on and on and on. I was looking for the clip earlier tonight, and I couldn't find it, so I could kind of A-B this. But in the Ottawa Citizen tonight, there is a OC Transpo story. Uh, they're probing a hateful video. Now remember something. If it's wrong for one group... It's supposed to be wrong for the other, right? If hate speech, if we're going to have hate speech laws, which I think are absolutely ridiculous, we have slander and libel laws, and the best way to deal with somebody who's being a complete bozo, idiot, or just, you know, somebody who's just, is either to ignore them and walk away or shout them down, okay, and deal with them. There was a great demonstration of this down in the States, uh, I think it was last summer, where some... uh, student wanted to burn the American flag in protest because he didn't like something that was going on Okay, and a bunch of people found out including some veterans now they never laid a hand on this kid he went down there there was him and five or six supporters and they had about 1500 people who were counter protesting now they did throw some water balloons at the kid but that's you know I'm not suggesting that I'm not condoning that but that's not the same thing as throwing rocks or you know physically assaulting him But they had to have mounted police. They had to surround this guy. And for his own protection, they had to take him away. The crowd shouted him down. They shut him down. He never did burn the flag. That's how you deal with people like this. You don't deal with them by having the courts, unless it's libel or slander, which we already have laws for. You deal with them by showing them what idiots they are and how out of step with the rest of society their views are. That's how you deal with it. Anyway, here's the story. OC Transpo officials are investigating after a hateful video was posted online of a man yelling racist insults on a bus denouncing Islam. Stop right there. Again, we have it. Islam is not a race. It is not racist to condemn Islam. You can call it a lot of things, but racist isn't one of them. Because Islam has every race under the sun represented within it. Just like the Catholic Church has every single hue and color of the human experience within its ranks, so does Islam, and so do a lot of other religions and belief systems. It's not racism. I just wish somebody would set these people straight once. The scene was captured on a cell phone by Jawad Gandur, a Muslim student at Liskar Collegiate Institute, and posted Sunday on YouTube and shared on Facebook. The video had been viewed more than 191,000 times as of last night. In it, he explains that he posted the video after something really disturbing happened, disturbing happened on an OC transport bus in February. Racism, he said, is not just happening in the United States. Again, he's wrong. It's not racism. If you want to call it anti-Islamism, okay, fine, but it's not racism. Okay, everyone needs to see what happened. He tells his YouTube audience he normally posts short, humorous videos. In the video, an unidentified man dressed in black, in a black coat and a red scarf, is standing near the front of an OC Transpo bus. Seemingly unprovoked, he suddenly screams. Oh well, uh, he drops the f-bomb. He says, uh, <clears throat> he walks toward the camera and screams it twice more. Um, how do I say this without actually saying it? Screw Islam. We'll swap out the word screw for the, for, the, uh, for the F-bomb, and you get what I'm saying. Uh, You're not welcome in this country. He challenges someone to a fight, saying he's been threatened. I'm sorry, I will not be threatened, he tells the bus driver who asks him to leave the bus. The man goes to retrieve a bag, and from his, and from his seat yells, Guess what? The race war is coming. The race war is coming. He's wrong, too. It's not a race. The bus driver again tells the man to get off the bus and the man leaves. From the video, it appears no one on the bus confronted him other than the bus driver. This is crazy. It happened in Canada. uh, Gandur wrote on his Facebook page. All right, so if that's wrong, okay, if that's wrong, how is it then that Muslim imams can preach hatred towards Jews? That they can call for the death and extermination of Jews and infidels? How come that's not hate speech? This is that double standard I'm talking about. If it's wrong on the bus, it should be wrong in the mosque. Should it not? How come they get dispensation? It's that double standard that drives me crazy. It wasn't a very nice thing to do. I don't argue with that. But why didn't the people on the bus stand up and say, Hey, dude, shut up. You can't speak for me. I don't know. Anyway, just I thought I'd share that because of the, 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 the double standard just... Jumps right out at you. Just jumps right out and says, wait a minute, what kind of nonsense is this? Uh, anyway, uh, there was something else here I wanted to get into. Doom, doom. Oh, yeah, there's, uh, uh, okay. Does the name Ikra Khalid mean anything to you? Well, she is a Liberal Member of Parliament. I'm going to change themes here in a moment, but you got to hear this. Uh, this is from the Terrorism and Security Experts of Canada Network, and the title of the of the uh, heading, uh, the title of the piece, is called "Member of Parliament Iqra Khalid is an Islamist hypocrite." Okay, now MP Ikra Khalid cannot advance the cause of extremist Islam on one hand and then complain about Islamophobia on the other. If that name sounds familiar, it's because she's the one who put forward the m- motion M103. 103 or 109. I can never remember. Anyway, the one that's uh, that uh, is being debated before the House right now, uh, the anti the, the Islamophobia um, motion. Okay. Anyway, uh, her. Let's see. Let me start over again. M.P. Ik- Ikra Khalid cannot advance the cause of extremist Islam on one hand and then complain about Islamophobia on the other. Her direct connections to Islamist front guru, to Islamist front groups means she must... See, my, my screen has a little line in it, and I lose sometimes the words. Anyway, lens front group means she must either publicly disavow extremist groups such as Jamal at uh, Ismaili and the Muslim Brotherhood or withdraw her motion. uh, Iqra Khalid is the Liberal Member of Parliament for Mississauga-Arendale, elected in 2015. She recently tabled a motion in the House of Commons which would condemn Islamophobia and all forms of systemic racism and religious discrimination. Clearly, the intent of her motion is not to address issues of discrimination, but rather to silence anyone who speaks out against Islam in Canada. For instance... Ikra was president of the Muslim Student Association when she was a student at York University in the early 2000s. The Muslim Student Association was founded by adherents of the Muslim Brotherhood back in 1963. The Muslim Student Association has a series of alumni who have become suicide bombers, ISIS fighters, and ISIS propagandists. The Muslim Student Association at York University handed out a book at Islam Awareness Week with the title Women in Islam and refutation of some common misconceptions the chapter on wife discipline page 99 on the in, on the online version makes the following observation now get this this is from a woman who says we have to put we can't have any more discrimination and and we got to put an end to islamophobia okay here's the here this is a condemning sentence if i've ever read one submissive or subdued women these women may even enjoy being beaten at times as a sign of love and concern. So, under certain circumstances, it's okay, at least from her perspective, if an Islamic man beats his wife. Hey, look, I got news for you. If I ever raised a hand on my wife, I'd get a frying pan upside the head. And I deserve it. And yet, at the same time, on one so on one hand she's saying it's okay for men to beat their wives... But on the other hand, she says we can't have any of this lamophobic stuff. We got to put an end to it. Well, wait a minute. What side of the fence are you on? So the hypocrisy here is staggering, absolutely staggering. And she, I think that the writer of the piece, if I can get the name of the guy, maybe it's at the bottom. Now it's from the, it's it's written by the editor of the of the uh, of the. Um, uh, of the website, TS. it's called Terrorism and Security Ex- Experts of Canada Network. So anyway, the the point is, whoever wrote it is is exactly right. Um, the whole point is, you can't call for being okay to beat women on one hand, and then on the other, silence all criticism is of Islam on the other. Actually, that kind of makes it goes hand in hand. So what does she really want? Does whose values does she cling to? Is she a Canadian who happens to be a Muslim? Or is she a supporter of Syria law? Which one is it? She should resign. She should be forced out of office for this. Because this, this is enough to just, you know, this is more of that kind of, you wonder why, uh, I, look, I'm not condoning bad behavior. Don't misunderstand me. But you wonder why people do this stuff like that, what happened on the bus. Maybe the guy just had enough. Now, he shouldn't have gone off like that. I'm not condoning it. He didn't really do anything but yell. But that's not the point. <laughs> it's like if you don't want to get burned, stop pouring gasoline on the fire. All right. Now, I mentioned Ben Shapiro earlier. Oh, no, don't you do that to me. There we are. Okay. I mentioned Ben Shapiro earlier. This clip is six minutes long, but you know something? Let me just check the clock here. Yeah, we got time. Um, I'm going to play this. Ben Shapiro is at a uh, liberal college, and there's a young lady standing up asking him about how can you say that transgender isn't real? Uh, And he gives what I consider is a brilliant rebuttal. And it kind of goes a little bit hand-in-hand with that cowboy logic I played earlier. Although the cowboy logic was funny, Ben is bitingly uh, he just cuts right through the logic, uh, the, the, the uh, nonsense, and lays it out in terms you can't argue with. So this is Ben Shapiro. Um, I'm trying to figure out where this was filmed. Uh, let's see. Air date, 2017. Okay, so it's this year, February the 9th, I believe is when that is. Uh, so it's at a liberal arts college in the United States. Here he is
2: say that
0: some people
4: don't have privilege when you basically just said that trans people aren't valid. They're not a thing. They're just girls pretending to be boys or boys pretending to be
0: girls. Yeah. Okay. Wait, okay oh, I someone's know. excited. Okay. <laughs> biological, but gender is a completely different
4: thing. No, gender is not disconnected from sex. So It's so, not
0: completely disconnected, but it's still a cultural thing. It's still from society. It's
4: okay. It's no, it is not in the mind. Okay? You're not a man if you think you're a man. And I didn't say pretending. Or if I did, I shouldn't have said pretending. Let me amend. You said playing. Okay, I said a boy who thinks he's a girl. That's the usual phraseology I use. Not playing. I usually say a boy who thinks he's a girl or a girl who thinks he's a boy, which is technically what we're talking about here. As far as the actual psychological issues at play, it used to be called gender dysphoria or gender identity disorder, now they call it gender dysphoria. The idea that, that sex or gender are malleable is not true. Okay, And I'm not denying your humanity if you're a transgender person. I'm saying that you are not the sex to which you claim to be. You're still a human being, and you're a human being with an issue that I'm, you know, I wish you godspeed in, in dealing with in whatever way you see fit. But if you are going to dictate to me that I'm supposed to pretend, I'm supposed to pretend, that men are women and women are men, no. My answer is no. I'm not going to, I'm not going to modify basic biology because it threatens your subjective sense of what you are.
0: Okay, but you're still saying these kids should like not
4: be accepted because they don't really fit into either place they can't just like I'm saying that the Boy Scouts have a standard you must be a biological boy to be a boy Scout you have to be a boy to be a Boy Scout it's that in is the, the, the name one. Boy Scouts <laughs> because because it, because this is because this is a, a very important I'm because for all of human history boy meant boy and girl meant girl boy did not mean girl. Uh, and if I call you a moose, are you suddenly a moose? Okay, if I redefine yeah. our terms. <laughs> no, it's a yes. That's right. Men and women are a completely different thing. This is true. Have you ever met a man or a woman? They're completely different.
5: can't just say you're a cat. It's not a thing. It's genders. It's not saying you're. Okay. Why, why is that?
4: I, I don't understand. Why? Okay. Let me ask you this. How? Uh, okay. I won't ask you how old. I will ask you how old you are. Okay. Because you're young enough that it's probably not insulting to ask you. So. I'm
5: 22,
4: so I'm probably naive, right? No. Why aren't you 60? Why aren't you sixty? <laughs> why? Why can't you identify as sixty? Why? What? What is the problem with you identifying as sixty?
6: You just...
4: You're right. Age is significantly less important than gender. You can't magically change your gender. You can't magically change your sex. You can't magically change your age. You can't legally change it. People recognize. You can't it. legally change your age, by the way. Obviously, you can change your name, you can change your sex, you can change your identity. And just because you can do things legally doesn't mean that they are correct biologically. You could do lots of things in the past that were incorrect biologically and correct legally. For a long period of time in the United States, sterilization of the mentally ill took place. That didn't make it okay. Skinner versus Oklahoma. Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes wrote the decision. Right. I so how you it's not a matter of open-minded and accepting. I want them to get treatment that they see fit, but that's not involving me. The, the idea behind the, the transgender movement as a civil rights movement is the idea that all of their problems would just go away if I would pretend that they were the sex to which they claim uh, the, the, to which they claim membership. That's nonsense. The transgender suicide rate is 40%. It is 40%. And according to, the, according to the Anderson School at UCLA, it makes no difference. There's a study that came out last year. It makes no difference. Virtually no difference, statistically speaking, as to whether people recognize you as a transgender person or not. Which suggests there's a very high comorbidity between transgenderism, whatever that mental state may be, and suicidality. That has nothing to do with how society treats you. Do you think you. it could be because of their bullied at school? No, I don't think that, th- I do not think that the discrepancy, I do not think the discrepancy, first of all, I'm against bullying of any sort. Okay, the idea that, that somebody would beat somebody up is terrible. Okay, as somebody who's viciously bullied in high school, I'm not a fan of bullying. But the idea that the the normal suicide rate across the United States is 4%. The suicide rate in the transgender community is 40%. The idea that 36% more transgender people are committing suicide because people are mean to them is ridiculous. It's not true, and it's not backed by any science that anyone can cite. It is pure conjecture. In fact, it's not even true that bullying causes suicide, according to a lot of studies. For example, in the black community, where the idea is supposedly that America is a racist society, blacks are bullied a lot. Okay, in the black community, the black community has significantly lower suicide rates than in the white community. In fact, in third world countries, the suicide rate is significantly lower than in first world countries. Suicide actually seems to be a privilege of the upper classes if you actually look at it from a financial perspective. So the idea that suicidality is directly a result of people like me saying, no, men are not women and women are not men. it, it's, it's, it's not true. It's also. So you think it doesn't impact their identity at all, or their depression, or how they feel about themselves? I think the idea that you're going to sacrifice the entire society's proper definition of sex because you think that there is a, a in, in legal terms, somebody with an eggshell skull, meaning that somebody who has a preexisting condition that makes them more susceptible to criticism, that that is not a way to run a society. You can't sacrifice truth because some people are going to actually suffer because of the truth. Plus, there's no evidence whatsoever that the suicide rate would go down in the transgender community in any marked way if people just started pretending that men were women and women were men. We're trying that experiment now. We'll find out whether it works. So far, no evidence. Have you
0: talked to a group of trans people at all instead of this group of, like, white
4: people? I'm more than happy to talk to a group of any people who will have me, but usually they protest me.
1: So there you go, Ben Shapiro laying it out, and he does a brilliant job. I really am an admirer of his. He's the youngest talk show, syndicated talk show host in American history. Uh, obviously a brilliant mind. I got a chance to meet him a couple of years ago in person, and he's exactly like that. And when, when you're talking to him, you best be on your toes because he, it's it's not that he's cold and, and nasty. Um, it's just that he just understands things and puts them in very plain English very uh, lays him out really, really well. So he does a great job at that. Now, there is uh, another topic I want to get to. And this one, I think a lot of people are, <laughs> I saw this and I thought, oh, man, did that ever look good. Uh, if the name Sam Oosterhoff means anything to you, and it should, if you've been following uh, the show and some of my Facebook postings and so on over the last, oh, man, it's got to be, oh, we're pushing six months now. Uh, then the name Sam Oosterhoff will instantly be recognizable. He's the youngest me- member of par- provincial parliament ever elected in Ontario. And maybe even the country. He was 19 when he became a le- when he uh, won uh, one election. He won in a by-election. Now, uh, up until a couple of days ago, Martin, let's see, this was published March 7, so it had taken place the day before, on the 6th. Uh, he was running... Um, They had another nomination uh, meeting because Patrick Brown didn't like the fact that the socially conservative uh, young man had slipped through the cracks and gotten into the PC party. Um, That just doesn't work with Patrick Brown. He doesn't like that. He doesn't want social conservatives messing up his plans. So they went back to the uh, constituents in that riding, and Sam won in a landslide. He just... Crushed them. So here's the story uh, from Grimsby, Ontario. The youngest ever member of Ontario legislature emerged victorious Tuesday night in a nomination battle, securing his spot representing the Progressive Conservative in next year's provincial election. Sam Oosterhoff, who is 19, beat a challenger for his riding's nomination to be candidate for the June 2018 vote. The teen was first elected in November 17th in a by-election in a Niagara-area riding previously held by former party leader Tim Hudak. He won that nomination by defeating party president Rick Dystra, and regional councillor Tony Quirk, who ran against Doosterhoff again Tuesday in the in the new Niagara West riding, progressive leader Patrick Brown, uh, PC leader uh, Patrick Brown, had backed off, uh, had backed Doosterhoff as he is supporting all of his caucus members in any contested nomination battles. Not, first of all, I don't believe that for a second. I do not believe that sentence for one second. He may have made it look that way publicly, but behind the scenes. There's not a snowball's chance in a blast furnace he was supporting Usterhoff. No way. The party is trying to secure a full slate of candidates well ahead of the election. Usterhof landed, legislati- landed at the making legislature making waves not only for being so young, but also for espousing social conservative views at a time when Brown is trying to brand the Tories as inclusive and socially progressive. Inclusivism and progressivism are what's killing this province. That's what drives me crazy about Patrick Brown. I was listening to, to uh, the radio today, and Lowell was on uh, in his usual 10-15 to 10-30 slot, and he can't understand why people like me are attacking Patrick Brown. He says, look, we got to get rid of Kathleen Wynn. Stop shooting at Patrick Brown. No. Lowell, with all due respect, the reason why we are shooting at him, and I'm not the only one by a long shot, and he didn't name me personally, I get that he's... <laughs> You know, his Facebook group is a little larger than mine. I'm not the only one doing it. But the point is, it's people like me who are doing it because we understand something, that right now there is no substantive difference between the PC Party of Ontario and the Liberal Party of Ontario, so it doesn't matter whether it's Brown that wins or Wynne that wins. We're going to get the same kind of nonsense. And on more than that, if Patrick Brown wins, it will solidify in his mind, in the mind of his supporters, that messing around with riding associations and who gets nominated is the way to go because it worked and got them elected. And we can't have that because that undermines democracy. That's why we're against Patrick Brown. That's why Mr. Oosterhof just landed a great big uppercut on the bottom side of Mr. Brown's chin, and Mr. Brown has no choice but to grin and bear it. And I am just ecstatic about it. Absolutely ecstatic that they are out there now, and they're going to have to live with this kid. I just hope this guy's got enough spine to be able to stand up to them and say, "Look, Mr. Brown, I'm sorry, but I cannot change my points of view on some of this stuff." Like, uh, let me give you an uh, let me give you an example. He's declared he's 100% pro-life, and he campaigned against liberals' updated sex. Ex- sex ed curriculum and opposed the new law that gives more rights to same-sex parents. He, is sworn in that he was sworn in the day after a vote on that law, avoiding a potential clash with his brand-new caucus. Now, I wonder why that happened. If you want more evidence that I'm right, there it is. Why didn't I swear him in the day of so he could vote on that? Because Brown doesn't want social conservatives influencing his party. He doesn't have time for us. If you're a social conservative like me then you're not welcome in that party. And if you are, pay your dues and shut up. That's been made abundantly clear. All right. So the, the end of this is really kind of funny. He expressed displeasure that the caucus members Monty McNaughton continues to court sex ed opponents. Others don't like, uh, and other doesn't believe. Well, let me try that again. Bob Brown publicly split with social conservative elements of the party after he flip-flopped on a pledge to repeal the new sex ed curriculum. He expressed displeasure that caucus members Monty McNaughton continues to court sex ed opponents. Another doesn't believe in evolution. And a third was sent for sensitivity training after making misogynistic jokes. Gee, I wonder who that could have been, Jack. Uh, PC leader Steve Clark said there's no truth to campaign life's assertion that Quirk's bid was a party est- establishment attempt to oust Oosterhof. Uh Sorry, Steve. That's exactly what it was. Brown has been clear on where the party stands on social issues, and that hasn't been what Usterhoff has focused on at the legislature. What I've seen in his time here is he stood up for his community. The first day he was here, he stood up for health care in his riding. Yeah, well, I got a feeling it's not the only thing he's going to stand out for. I continue to, look f- I can, I look forward to continuing to work with him. The point, Tories pointed out that several Liberal backbenchers have green light endorsements from campaign lights such as Joe Dixon, Lou Rinaldi, and Mar- Mario Ser- uh, Sergio. That only tells us that. Tells you the Campaign Life Coalition doesn't care about your party affiliation. It cares about where you stand on on the issue that is foremost in its mind, and that's abortion. Anyway, there there was a... uh, (laughs) Okay, anyway, so well done, Mr. Oosterhof. Stick to your guns, and I have a feeling that this isn't the only time we're going to be hearing from him um, in the near future. Just because Patrick Brown doesn't like it will have hopefully nothing to do with it. Uh, congratulations, Mr. Husterhoff. Um, you've got a tough road ahead of you. But, uh, you know, it's, if we had more people like him uh, who were willing to uh, do what it took do what it take and, and fight the good fight, in spite of the lack of leadership from the top, we'd have a much better party and a much better province. And we'd also stand a much better chance of winning. Because if you're one of these swing voters looking at the Liberals and the Tories, you got to ask yourself, what's the difference? And if there's no difference, why should I vote for the other guy? I'll just stick with what we already have. Doesn't that make sense? It does to me. So, anyhow, okay, so I'm still looking for the first call to come through uh, for the laugh passes. The numbers are 343 700 4390 844 562 4766. You can use them anytime up until, up until May 31st. Um, there are four Yuck Yucks uh, downtown on Elgin Street. That's uh, 292 Elgin Street, actually. It's right underneath the bar called Hoolies. Uh, it's free entry to any regular-priced show, so if you want to call, pick them up and take a special summon with you. There's two tickets here for you. I just got to have you call in so I can put your name on them, get your uh, civic address, and I'll put them in the mail, drop them out to you so you can use them. But you need to call. The numbers again, 343 Seven zero zero forty three ninety, or you can use eight four four five six two four seven six six. All right, we will take a break. I'm going to go refill my water glass, and when we get back, we will be we'll have more on the Nick at Night Show right after this.
7: So Nick is reloading and taking a much-needed break. Not that he needs one, but maybe it's a good thing. So if you want to fire him off an email, just uh, send it to Nick at LateNightCouncil.com. That's simple, huh? Nick at LateNightCouncil.com. Or better yet, call now. Hey, I know he could talk forever, but you know what? If you're doing talk radio, you love the calls. 343-700-4390. That's 343 743 4390 for the Capital Region. And if you can't get through on that line or you live far, far, far away, like we're talking about Alaska, 1-844-562-4766. That's one 562 4766 Now, our call service is automated. You won't be talking to a live person until you're live on air. Don't sweat it. Just follow the prompts and while you're on hold and, and you'll be fine. night does not exist without advertisers so if you want to buy time you contact either myself jc at late night or you can contact nick if you're more comfortable with him and of course i certainly understand that you can contact nick at late night the ads are like really really cheap i mean you're gonna you're gonna love them okay you're, you're, we've, we've made them quite accessible Feedback is always welcome. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. And thanks for tuning in. Now, back to Nick at Night.
1: All right. I just remembered something. The other day... My mother-in-law and I were out for dinner. Oh, out for lunch. We do that once in a while. We torture each other. And she looked at me and she said, my son. I said, yes, mother, what is it? She said, I've made a decision. Oh, really? What decision is that? She said, I want to be cremated. I said, really? She said, absolutely. I kind of shrugged and I said, okay, get your coat. <laughs> That's called a joke, folks. I was just kidding. <laughs> oh once in a while you just gotta have a little chuckle when she's not around I can get away with it once in a very great while believe me I don't uh, I actually have a lot of respect for my mother-in-law she raised the most amazing woman on earth and uh, I was lucky enough to marry her so now all right there is uh, where did it go he said she said oh yeah I'll get to that in a minute. You won't believe what Trudeau said, but that's not – actually, you might. To do – but that's not what I want to get to right away. I'm just flipping through my open tabs here. Here it is. See, high-tech means you got to know what you're doing, which is a real problem for me. All right, now, we all know about Kathleen Wynne's Green Energy Act and all the benefits that come from green energy. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. And if you live in the Ottawa area, this story you may might already be uh, aware of, but this is a story that highlights um, real-world consequences with head-in-the-cloud policies. There is um, a very successful uh, greenhouse here in the Ottawa Valley called SunTech. And they raise these little miracles from Manatec. They raise uh, tomatoes. And they've really worked hard to expand their their business, and they employ a lot of local people here in the area. And our premier, Kathleen Wynne, is basically driving him out of business. Let me share with you um, a little bit of this. An Ottawa greenhouse operation has hit a hydro snag in its attempt to mimic Mother Nature. SunTech greenhouses in Manatech have installed a million-dollar LED lighting system to grow produce year-round, but after doing the math, the owner decided not to flip the switch. Two years ago, SunTech installed row-upon-row of LED lights in one-and-a-half acres of its greenhouses. It was an expensive experiment trying to mimic Mother Nature. The problem is the sun is free. Hydro, not so much. Business dictates I cannot turn them on, Bob Mitchell says. Uh, he's the owner, as he walks among thousands of tomato plants, the lighting, le- the lighting system stretching out amongst the plants. I did the math on it. I was going to be looking, in it, uh, looking at an excess of a quarter of a million dollar hydro bill just to do it. Mitchell says it's been a triple whammy for him. The Trump administration's tough talk on blocking imports from Mexico has led to a drop in the value of the peso, making imports from that country much cheaper on shelves here. Then January 1st, the Ontario government introduced its cap and trade system to fight climate change. That Mitchell says added about $6,200 to his natural gas bill in 29 days, and he says it's pricing local greenhouse tomatoes out of the market. You can't add that whole—you can't add that to the wholesale price of the product and still end up on the grocery store shelf, and that you're not going to be, and not and expect not to be laughed at. Mitchell figures in the winter it cost him with the lights about $1.15 to grow a tomato. That compares to about 38 cents for one from Mexico. I set my prices these years just to break even, not to make a profit but to break even, which is a stupid business, which is stupid from a business point of view, but I'm getting resistance from grocery stores even at those levels. So here's this guy, he's out there working hard trying to stay uh, keep his business going, keep his people employed, make a little bit of money, and because of Kathleen Wynn and her cap and trade, and her carbon carbon taxes, and the Green Energy Act, the cost of hydro, the cost of natural gas, is driving him out of business. Now there's another guy down here. Uh, let's see, uh, Justin Taylor, who owns uh, a, a greenhouse that he just expanded into the United States. Uh, let's see, uh, where did it go? It's here. Peter Quiring is that's it. Peter Quiring is the CEO of Natural Fresh Farms. Uh, He's just expanded into Ohio, and he says, you know what's really crazy? In Ohio, we're buying power for what Ontario is paying other jurisdictions to take it. So instead of expanding here, we're expanding there using our power, so to speak. So in other words, the guy says, I can't afford hydro here in Ontario, so I'm going to go to Ohio, buy the same power at a third the cost. Without the taxes... The, without the tax uh, revenue, without the carbon uh, the, the carbon taxes, without the cap and trade, uh, you know, in a climate that's much more suitable, a business climate that's much more amenable, where you can actually make some money. Because that's what businesses are all about. That's what makes the economy work. Is when businesses make money, the economy works. When they don't, it doesn't. It's simple economics 101. And this is the kind of stuff that drives people crazy. Here's a guy, he's ported and I'm going back to the Suntech tomatoes, you know, that this guy has poured his heart and soul into building this business. Everything he, this whole business is him. It's the sum of everything he's done in his life. And he's having it snatched away by somebody from a Toronto who thinks more about the planet, who cares more about the planet, or seems to, than she does about the people she's supposed to be elected to help. Does that? Did, did, am I the only one that sees this as crazy? You know, in, in one hand, one hand, a lot of people, I don't doubt, let me rephrase that, I don't doubt that Kathleen Wynne has to go. Her last polling numbers that I saw on her popularity was 11%, which means her office staff thinks she's doing a good job. Nobody else does. Nobody else does this woman is a laughing stock unfortunately it's laugh or cry she's also tearing this province to pieces which is why what's going on with patrick brown is so vital we have to have a clear alternative we have to have different policies we have to change direction or more, we're gonna have more Suntech tomato companies like this poor guy out there in manatech lose his shirt, and watch more businesses leave Ontario, putting more people out of work, more people on the dole. How does that, what is so hard to understand? Why? You know, the the part I'm trying, I just can't get my head around is that. So anyway, that's more, and the only way to describe it really is just more real-life consequences to head-in-the-clouds policies. You know, the whole thing, and what really drives me crazy is the whole thing is based on a lie. This whole green energy nonsense is all based on one single little lie. They have built a massive fortress on and that is carbon dioxide gas is not pollution, it's plant food. That's the lie. Telling us that that carbon dioxide gas is poison, is, is pollution, is a lie. And that's what they rest their whole case on. And instead of just looking at these idiots and saying, do you think we're stupid? Far too many people are going, oh, my God, oh, my God, I didn't
7: know. The
1: polar bears, oh, the poor polar bears. The ice is melting. I've never had anybody yet tell me why, if Canada got a degree or two warmer over the course of 80 years, it would be a bad thing. Never had anybody yet do that. Yet our our resistance to this thing we're not even really sure that's happening is costing jobs in their their tens of thousands. This is just one example. It's just heartbreaking. It's just heartbreaking. Now, we have... Where did you go? (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay, now. I've always known the Greenpeace is a joke. And the reason is for a lot of the same reasons I just articulated. Because a lot of the things they claim are either outright lies or wildly exaggerations. So this article, as interesting and rather humorous as I find it, is also no surprise. Okay, now <laughs> it's written by Kevin Laban, and it's from the financial—not uh, the financial—from the um, National Post financial section. Environmentalists admit. <laughs> oh man, I wish I was the headline writer for this one. Environmentalists admit you shouldn't believe what they say, but they want your money anyway. <laughs> okay, this was posted uh, today, March 8th. Okay, it's all the most terrible news green on Greenpeace Canada's homepage. The Arctic is in danger. The ice is retreating at increasing speed, clearing the path for greedy oil companies that see this catastrophe as a business opportunity. Good heavens! Also, recent reports warn that sea life faces the, mass, the next mass extinction. Oh, no! Nuclear power poses a serious threat to I'm I'm reading this the way it's written, okay? I'm not adding anything. This is the way this is written. Nuclear power poses a serious threat to humanity. Yikes! And most of all, the planet's ancient forests are lost or degraded, and the rest are next. Things back home in Canada are dreadful, too, as oil sands, pipelines threaten thousands of rivers and streams, tankers carrying their oil threaten our coastlines, and their emissions fuel climate change. God help us all! That's the way it's written. What a relief to hear the Greenpeace now says we shouldn't seriously believe its claims. We're not actually meant to take what it says literally. <laughs> oh my good lord! Perhaps it should also mention that to the millions of that to the millions of donors whose fear over such exaggerated environmental claims funds its three hundred and fifty million dollar a year budget and the government ministries which Greenpeace lobbies to rein in those greedy oil producers and forestry companies to restrict pipelines and tanker shipments and to shutter nuclear power plants. But Greenpeace isn't advertising the admission that it doesn't trade in facts. Instead, it revealed it in recent court filings, defending itself against a U.S. lawsuit by Canada's Resolute Forest Products after enduring a year-long campaign where Greenpeace publicly trashed Resolute's reputation and intimidated its customers into cancelling their paper supply contracts. The Montreal-based forestry company began fighting back with lawyers alleging that Greenpeace is a global fraud that duped its, duped its donors with materially false and misleading claims. In the U.S., Resolute sued using the Racketeer and Corruption Organizations Act, which is both a strikingly menacing tactic and an absolutely inspired idea. Since a racketeering suit can bring triple damages, and since Rebels Resolute claims Greenpeace's harassment campaign has cost it upwards of $100 million, the gravity of the threat has motivated Greenpeace to come up with the best defense it can muster. <laughs> oh, baby. You know, if you've got chickens, sooner or later, they come home to roost. <laughs> So here we have one of the world's great protectors of the planet. Captain Planet, here we come, dressed in green. Remember, what was the name of that stupid? Sea Shepherd, that was it. Nothing but a pirate. It was painted black, actually, I think. I I, I think it was painted black. Uh, Let's see, I'll tell you in a second. Uh, Sea Shepherd. Images. There it is. Oh, they had it painted all kinds of things. (laughs) They had it painted in camo, like from World War II. The thing looks like an old, well, it's an old trawler, so it looks a little bit like a World War II Corvette. Uh, Yeah, they had it painted in camo. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, Let's see, what else did they have it painted like? Uh, No, I want to go back to images for a second. And they had it painted black with gold letters. And the the captain, what a joke. (laughs) He's wearing medals that no one would ever give out. <laughs> anyway, so th- they called it the Farley Mowat. Uh, that's what I thought it was. No, no, uh, uh, Steve Irwin. Uh, just anyway, uh, it's it's all oh they have. I forgot they have it painted like a shark. Anyway, they were running around ramming whaling ships and all kinds of nonsense. They were basically pirates, and just ludicrous. So this is the kind of stuff. Now they say that, oh, well, you shouldn't take us seriously. We didn't really mean it. You know, just send us your money. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) This, you know, there's days, these kind of things just make my day. They make my day. This is why I do this job. Because it's so much fun when you catch this stuff. And I can bring it to your attention. You can go and just... Go, I think I posted on my Facebook page. So, by the way, if you want to become a member of my Facebook group uh, next nights, just send me a friendship request. Um, I will certainly be glad to add you to the list, and you'll get all the perks and benefits thereof. So uh, I just thought I'd share that with you. So the Sun Tech t- s- story was tragic, but just that was f- – this one is, is almost comical. Um, no court can disprove that Resolute destroy is destroying figurative forests figurative forests, <laughs> anyway, now we won't even get into the fact that forests are nothing but uh, um, uh, weeds that, are, that get mighty tall. The trees are just weeds. They just take a long time to grow. And we find a use for them. Um, now, in the United States, I'm sure by now, you have heard all that. St- remember the story, the, the big story last week was Trump was accusing Obama of tapping his phones? Well, there was that one. Apparently, that's true. Uh, but here's everybody's uh, all fired up about Trump, right? And, uh, this this nonsense is going on and on, and the main, mainstream media and the left elite are going crazy. And it's, they they don't want just to discredit him or you know gut him as a prime as a president. They want him in jail. They really, really, really hate him to a, to a level I've never seen before. And part of the reason is he's disproving everything they've ever said. Now, Trump's first full month in office brings massive employment boom as U.S. companies add a whopping 298,000 new jobs in February. Let me share a little of this with you. U.S. companies added a whopping 290,000 new jobs in February, beating the economists' expectations by more than 100,000. Now, if this had happened under Obama, you would never hear the end of it. You would never hear. They would be singing his praises from the moon. There would be a national holiday. You would have parades in every city in the country. But because it's not Obama, you can't say it's a good thing. The report from ADP, a global human resources and payroll firm, provides the first hard economic numbers from Donald Trump's first full month as president. Uh, Let's see. There's a bunch of videos here. He also wrote Wednesday on Twitter about another similar measure, citing numbers from a new LinkedIn workforce report that showed strong job-adding numbers from January and February. Those months were the strongest consecutive months for hiring since August and September of 2015. Construction jobs increased by 66,000 in February, and the manufacturing, se- manufacturing sector added 32,000. Trump has pledged to dramatically improve the U.S. employment market in those sectors as he tries to lure business from overseas and stop jobs from fleeing across the border. You know, the part that blows me away about all this is the biggest thing he's guilty of is doing what he said he was going to do. That's the biggest crime he's committed. He's actually gone out there and said, "I am going to get this done." Now we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, I've got a, a about a three-minute, no, three and a half-minute uh, audio clip with uh, Mark Stein. He's talking to Fox News and um, talking about Obama's book deal. Have you paid any attention to this? I only I saw it kind of on the fringes, and I never really looked at it. But I had a glance at it tonight. Do you know that the Obamas have a $65 million book deal? $65 million. A book out of each of them. One for Michelle and one for uh, Barack. $65 million. So Mark's got a few comments to say about that. So we'll take a quick little break. When we come back from that, we will have uh, Mark Stein's Comment on the book deal.
7: My cars to Irwin's Auto Motion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra. Eight bays and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity. Try to save the customers some money and headaches, but fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion. 34 Cleopatra. Tell them council sent you. That'll make him smile.
0: Move up and move up
1: All right, let's get back to uh, our good friend Mark Stein. Uh, <laughs> actually, the give-and-take between the commentator and Mark is rather uh, its fun to watch. Let's put it that way. It's fun to listen to. So here he is. This is Mark Stein talking about the book deal.
6: I want to know what you think about the book deal for Michelle and Barack Obama. $65 million million, one one book from each, and you say...
5: Well, I, I liked Obama's previous book because it was one of the great works of fiction, you know, with his uh, composite girlfriend and his imaginary racist white friend. Uh, you know, and he wrote, I, I, I remember he wrote about his grandfather in Indonesia who supposedly died in the colonial struggle against the Dutch but actually died uh, falling off a chair while changing the drapes. So if he manages to uh, come up with as spectacular a work of fiction as uh, as that last one. This will be up there in Harry Potter country. I'm hoping he will have, like, a composite jihadist he releases from Gitmo to go off and kill people around the world, or maybe an imaginary ISIS commander uh, uh, that, he, that he drones uh, in his sleep. I think this could be, as I said, right up there with J.K. Rowling as one of the great works of fiction.
6: You know, Mark, that really was a very good riff. I think you prepared for it, but it was very well delivered. <laughs> Almost as good as Donald Trump last night, because that's delivery, man. Now,
5: no, look- I didn't. I didn't hear about this until uh, until your producer told me during the break. Whoa. I don't put in the hours of rehearsal like you do. Stuart.
6: <laughs> you are good, Stein, and that's the truth. I want you to look at this. Fox Business. That's us. That's the network you are appearing on, Mark. Mm-hmm. Beat CNBC for the month of February. That, by the way, is five months in a row that we have beaten the competition. Right. And CNBC's own website posted the story of our victory. You know, Mark, I think they really like foreign accents. You know? <laughs> I've got Ashley Webster with me, reformed Brit. I'm I now an American right. citizen with a British accent. <laughs> I don't know where your accent is from. I always thought you were South African, actually
5: right it's always it's always like some corner of the british commonwealth you've never quite got around to bothering to visit isn't it <laughs> that's, that's uh thank you for the colonial condescension it's <laughs> yeah, always welcome yeah. are you south african I, uh, no i'm not south african i'm, I'm canadian but i i here's, here's what operation? i'll say about <laughs>
0: the... <laughs> go on
5: <laughs> here's what i'll say about the actually i tell you just while we're on this subject one reason why i've never liked these congressional addresses is because they have that sort of quasi-monarchical quality and what I liked about Trump is he actually pulled it off better uh, than uh, Obama, Bush or Clinton did. So if we're, uh, if we've got any Queen Speech nostalgia going with you and Ashley, I thought Trump actually did a pretty good mm. job with that Congressional address last night. By the way, Mark, are you an investor? Yes, I am.
6: Okay. Uh, you approve of this Trump rally? We're up 266 points now at 21,078. Are you fully invested? Mm.
5: Yeah, I am, and I think uh, this—I think this actually is like a great uh, release of optimism after after the last eight years. So I uh, was—I was listening, fascinated. to uh, uh, Democrats explaining that Obama had, like, uh, primed the pump for the last eight years, and this is just wafting upwards, uh, running on the fumes of that. It isn't at all. It's the fact that we're going, uh, as Trump said in his speech, he's looking towards America's 250th birthday and setting us up over the next eight years uh, to, actually, uh, to actually get America back to being the dynamic innovator of the planet.
6: Canadian Mark Stein with a South African accent <laughs> from America. Excellent stuff, young man. We will see you again.
1: So there you have it. They covered a little more ground than uh, the book deal. But can you imagine $65 million for two books? Now, let me, let me ask you this question. Would you buy Barack Obama's book? Did you buy his last one? Did you buy Hillary's book? It takes a village. Now, there can be a lot of reasons to buy a book of that caliber. You could study a table with it. <laughs> you could press flowers with it. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to say you could burn it because that sounds bad. You could, I suppose, but (laughs) then why waste the money buying in the first place, right? Oh, my good Lord. How much would you pay? Now, me, if I were ever so, uh, how do I put it, inclined to pick up, let's say, Hillary's book, It Takes a Village, I'd wait for it to go into the deep, deep discount bargain bin like three for a dollar, you know, something like that. Uh, Because then at least I know I could steady three (laughs) three legs of the table. If you ever lived in an old house, you'll get the joke. (laughs) You could have the best made table on the planet. And you're going to end up at some point, if you live in a century home or older, uh, you're going to end up with something under one of those legs sooner or later. Because the floors are a lot of things, but level and smooth isn't one of them. So... (laughs) So I'm just uh, I'm laughing because it's such a joke that, look, if he wants to write a book, if somebody wants to give me cash advance, fine. And I, I frankly don't care. I'm not going to buy the thing anyway. But don't you think that's a little obscene? And I, I, you know what? I don't know the terms of the deal. I only just found out about it tonight when I was flipping through different clips, and I, I clicked on that one. And it $65 million. Somebody has a lot of hope in Barack Obama's ability to sell books. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, because I love capitalism. I love the free market, okay? I, I want us all to be millionaires. I really do. It's not that I don't think, and I frankly don't care how much Barack Obama's worth. I've written him four or five times. He's never sent me a dime. I'm kidding. But the, the, So how much, it's just that I look at this and say $65 million. How many books has he got to sell? At thirty bucks a piece, because you know he's not going to sell them for five. Well, the first batch, and he'll go to book signings, and all oh, the population will fawn over. You know what? Maybe it's not such a bad business investment after all. If you go to the blue states, they'll all feel sorry for for you know the two of them. Can you imagine a book signing with uh, Barrack and and uh, his wife sitting beside him, both signing books at thirty bucks a piece. <laughs> I don't know. It just strikes me as funny. Going from the President of the United States to sitting in chapters, signing books. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? I don't know if I buy a book, but I go to chapters just to see that. I like chapters. I love books. So when you go in there, I, I always, I, I can get lost. Old libraries, antique bookstores, chapters, any place that has books, I just can lose myself in them. And then sooner or later they start flicking the lights. And say, "Look, you gotta leave. We want to go home." Oh, okay. <laughs> but I'm not done. <laughs> Put the book down, and nobody gets hurt. Oh, all right. So anyway, but just the idea of seeing that—can you imagine walking into a chapter's and you got these guys? Because president, former presidents get security for life, right? So you got these. <laughs> Secret Service guys in their black and t- black suits and their black sunglasses and their earpieces in. And they're speaking into their collar, and into their sleeves going, oh no, it's him again. <laughs> yeah, you know, about half a dozen of those scattered through the stores and snipers on rooftops and all this kind of nonsense. And there he is, Barack Hussein Obama, with affection, or however he'd sign it. You know, and they're just, just hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. I mean, look. It, as an author, I'm not an author, but I mean, I can. Admit I know of some authors, and when you write a book, part of promoting it is going to book signings. You sit there, and sometimes they are successful, and sometimes you read your own book four or <laughs> five times, and there's nobody around. But it's part of the process. So, I just have this mental image in my head of Beric and and uh, his wife sitting in a bookstore somewhere. Uh, signing away just you know because in the in the days in the oval office man it was a stamp thump there i'm not wasting my time with it, unless of course it was for the cameras then he had to use about five pens to get a document signed so he could parley out five different pens for huge gobs of money at fundraisers right anyway so i just thought i just thought i'd share that with you um when it comes to uh, barack obama and his book deal, sixty-five million dollars, buddy. That's a lot of books. You got to sell a lot of books before you even make money. Before you, you know what? I'm going to figure that out. Let's say that it's sixty bucks a book. Hang on, let me bring up my calculator here because I'm no good at math. Oh, technology works when well, it's great. Okay, there's the calculator. Okay, so you got $65 dollars six, divided by thirty. You got to sell 2,166,666 books. <laughs> um, no. Is that right? 2,166. No. Yeah, I'm right. 2,166,666 books. So let's call it 2.2 million. Can he sell that many between he and his wife? That's only a million and a half a piece, right? Million and a quarter a piece. <laughs> Thirty bucks a pop. <laughs> Hope he's got a lot of friends. All right. Switching back to Canada. We have, <clears throat> when we get back from this break, I think one of the most arrogant things I ever I've ever heard our prime minister say. Brian Lilly uh, has about a five minute clip here I want to share with you, and he'll explain it. He'll he'll tee it up for you, but it's staggering in its arrogance. It really is. So you listen to this when we get back, I'll play that clip for you.
0: This train
5: is a clean train. This train. Set this train It's a clean train. This train. I tell you this train is a clean train. Everybody ride in my Jesus' name.
3: and CEO of the Greater Ottawa Truckers Association, the voice of independent truckers in the Ottawa area, and proud supporters of Nick at Night. Every day we go to work to help build a better eastern Ontario, and safety is our top priority. Every start of the shift, our drivers perform inspections on their truck so we ensure that our drivers go home to their families each night and you, the public, have confidence that the big truck beside you is safe. If you have any issues relating to any size truck, I encourage you to contact me at 613-738-1639. Let's build a better, fatality-free Ottawa together.
1: Thanks for staying with us, folks. The numbers are 343-700-4390. 844-562-4766. That's 343-700-4390. 844-562-4766. And I'm still looking for a caller to take these laugh passes off my hands. Uh, They were given to us by Yuck Yucks downtown on 292 Elgin Street. So if you want to go out for a great evening and spend some time with friends, Having a laugh at some great local talent well it's not just local they bring them in from all over the place I'll be honest with you uh, looking at their board of who they've had in and so on there's some pretty big names down there so I certainly encourage you to give me a shout at either of those numbers three four three seven zero zero four three nine oh or eight four four five six two four seven six six and first person through get some <coughs> all right with that said I'm gonna play you that mark no <coughs> sorry the Brian Lilly clip it's um uh, Brian Lilly, I don't think, needs any real introduction. Um, he's a good friend, of, personal friend of mine, for one thing, and secondly, he nails this. He really does. So I'm going to not steal any of his thunder, and here he is talking about Trudeau's sick move.
8: Justin Trudeau's sick move. I'm Brian Lilly with the RebelDom Media. Prime Minister Selfie proved himself to be Prime Minister classless this week when he told an MP returning to work after a stroke that he didn't use his downtime properly. Yes, he said that.
0: The member opposite it's wonderful to see him back in the House, but he didn't use his downtime to understand what the Conservatives did not understand uh, for 10 years in government. Whiskey, tango,
8: Foxtrot. How on earth did he get away with saying that? Ed Fast didn't use his downtime? PM Trudeau was replying to a question from conservative MP and environment critic Ed Fast. Now Fast is a longtime MP. He's first elected back in 2006, widely respected on all sides of the House, used to serve as the international trade minister, and he was making his first appearance in the House of Commons since suffering a stroke last December. He actually received a standing ovation in the House earlier when he showed up. And then he asks Justin Trudeau a question about the government refusing to release studies on the impact of their carbon tax plan and what that impact will be on Canadians. Even though the the Liberals have the studies, they won't release them. Well, Mr. Speaker, it really is good to be back. i had assumed that during my absence, the Liberals would finally come clean on the actual cost of their massive new carbon tax. Day after day, I watched the minister give evasive and non-transparent answers to simple questions clearly the minister has something to hide and is afraid to tell us how badly the carbon tax will hurt to the prime minister why the cover-up and when will he finally release the unredacted report outlining the harm this tax will inflict on canadians all right a pretty standard question from an opposition mp nothing personal or biting in it but then there's Trudeau's response.
0: Mr. Speaker, the, the member opposite it's wonderful to see him back in the House, but he didn't use his downtime to understand what the Conservatives did not understand uh, for 10 years in government, which is that investing uh, in reducing our carbon emissions in a cleaner economy uh, is actually a way of creating opportunities for Canadians, opportunities uh, to grow
8: the economy. Downtime he didn't use his downtime or what most people, most compassionate people would call recovery time, not downtime. Because downtime is what Justin Trudeau takes when he flies off to spend New Year's on a private island of his billionaire buddy. Downtime is what Justin Trudeau takes when he flies off to ski in the Rockies on our dime or decides to take the family at Easter to the expensive and exclusive Fogo Island or flies down for another Broadway play in New York City. Downtime is not how you describe recovering from a stroke. What an out-of-touch and arrogant answer. Now, Trudeau is so set on the attack mode that, well, he throws common decency out the window, uh, chiding fast for not doing his homework during his downtime. It's unbelievable that he said this. But I guess this is what we can expect from this PM. He rarely even attempts to answer questions other than to still, 18 months later, use his time in the Commons to attack the previous Conservative government. And if he isn't attacking the previous government, then he's definitely not actually answering questions. Trudeau's awful swipe at fast, well, that was his worst answer in the House on Tuesday, but it wasn't the only cringeworthy one. Asked again about his trip to Belle Island, the private enclave of the Aga Khan, Trudeau said he would answer any questions of the ethics commissioner, but not of Canadians, not of MPs who were sent to Parliament by Canadians to hold the government to account. Now, Trudeau doesn't want to use his downtime that way. And when he was asked, you know, when is the government going to appoint more judges so that horrific crimes can be prosecuted rather than cases being thrown out over delays, Trudeau answered about the diversity of the judges that he's appointing
0: when will the prime minister get to work and appoint judges so criminals stop going free Last year, we've made ex- significant appointments right across the country, including uh, 13 judicial appointments in Alberta. Uh, the fact is, in the over 100 appointments that we've made since we've come in through a new process that demonstrates uh, the openness and the diversity of Canada, we're happy that over 60% of our appointments uh, were women, uh, that 15% of the appointments are visible minority, uh, that over 10% are actually Indigenous Canadians, uh, that we have uh, Canadians living with disabilities well represented. We are demonstrating that. The kind of openness, transparency, and diversity that we know is a great strength for Canada.
8: Doesn't matter to me. I really don't care whether the judges being appointed are men or women, what race they are. The question is, how many are you appointing? There aren't enough judges on the bench, and you, sir, are not appointing them fast enough to deal with a real problem of serious crimes, serious cases being thrown out. But hey, to Trudeau and his supporters, as long as he says the right thing, feels the right thing, like saying diversity is our strength, then I guess everything is going to be fine. Maybe we should call him the hashtag PM instead of the selfie PM. One thing we can't call him after his reply to Ed Fast is compassionate. Arrogant? Yes. Out of touch? Yes. Compassionate? No.
1: All right, there you go. Brian does a great job of laying that out. You know something? He's right, too. (coughs) The guy had a stroke. To use the words downtime, look... Downtime is usually what you do when you want to relax. Now, I know there's a lot of you out there who probably have either family members or friends who have suffered strokes. They're no laughing matter. They're not. These are life-threatening, life-changing events in many cases. We have a good friend of our, of our family who lives out in B.C. He's a little older gentleman now. He's uh, in his mid-70s, but suffered a debilitating stroke about a year ago. He'll never be the same. He was one of the most um, uh, well-respected and highly regarded uh, horse trainers in North America, if not the world. And my daughter spent three years learning from this guy out on his ranch in B.C. His name is Larry. And Larry lost it all. They found him out in the yard one day, and he could do anything. He was one of these guys who could go out. He had (coughs) – there was not a piece of equipment he couldn't drive. There was nothing he couldn't fix. He was um, uh, used to be a guide. <coughs> excuse me. He used to be a, a, a guide um, in the mountains for men who wanted, to, for people who wanted to go hunting big game in the Rockies. I mean, there was very little this guy couldn't do, and everything he did, he did extremely well. And the stuff that he forgot about horses was more than certainly people like me will ever know, and. Uh, my daughter Kate was there for three years, learning from this guy. And believe me, it was a tragedy when uh, Larry suffered that stroke. He's still, like, he's still alive, but he, he, he has, you know, all the things that come with a major stroke: the memory loss, the motor control, those kinds of things. He'll never be the same. He'll never, he'll never ride a horse again. He'll never teach horses again. Uh, he'll never teach their riders again. All that's gone. And it was a real tragedy and a heartbreaking situation. So for Justin Trudeau to trivialize. Now, Mr. Fast wasn't nearly as dramatically uh, affected by his stroke. I'm sure there's some side effects of it. It didn't seem to be, you couldn't notice any in that video clip or audio clip um, when he was standing up talking, trying to get answers from the prime minister. But that's not the point. A stroke is as serious as a heart attack, probably more so both can kill you there's no doubt about that but a stroke destroys brain cells lots of them and has real problems. causes real problems with motor skills and all kinds of different areas in life you know so it's it's for him to be that flippant and that out of touch to call it downtime instead of recovery Like, the guy was recovering from a stroke. He'll probably spend the rest of his life recovering from it. And to be that flippant, that... And this is the guy who heads a party who cares about us, who thinks that, oh, oh, we we, we must be careful. We, we, We have to be compassionate. You know, if you're a Syrian refugee, oh, the heartstrings. Oh, the money, the... You know, we'll do anything for you. We'll pave the ground with gold. You know, if you are so bold as to cross our southern border out there in Quebec or in Manitoba in the midst of a blizzard, we'll give you whatever you need. But a guy who has something like this, you know, goes through a stroke, eh, he didn't spend his downtime very well, did he? Just unbelievable. Just absolutely (sighs) unbelievable. So, I don't know what you think of that, but I'll tell you what I think of it. I don't have it's it's, how do you put it? I call him the boy king for a reason. And I know a lot, everybody seems to have their own little nickname for them. Um, But I call him the boy king because there is a juvenility, if that's even a word, about the man, about just, there's there's something not right. You hear it in the way, like, look, you can't say that everybody's going to be a Churchill when delivering a speech, okay? Or getting up and talking. But if you carefully listen to the way Justin Trudeau talks, there's huge gaps in it. There's He's using the word, uh, way too much. Like, if you compare him to Stephen Harper or Chrétien or... You, you pick the Prime Minister. He is a horrible orator. Unless the speech is prepared for him, laid out, written in black and white, or up on a teleprompter, he can't talk. I mean, he can talk, but he can't string a sentence together without the ums and the ahs spattering through it. And what that says, and, and I'm no psychoanalyst by any stretch, I'm just telling you, based on my years of experience in in the communications field. I've done a little bit of public speaking myself, which I thoroughly enjoy, by the way. I'm kind of weird that way. But the point I'm making is that if you really know your stuff, if you're really able to communicate, which is part of good leadership, there's not a lot of ums and ahs. We all do it sooner or later at some point when we pause to think about what we're trying to say. Okay, that makes sense but not in a sentence. Like if you, if I were to play that clip back, I'm not going to, but if I did, I'll bet you you could count eight or 10 ahs in there, ums in there, breaks in it, where he's gotta stop and collect, look for the next word. And this guy hasn't had a stroke. We had a stroke when he got elected. Okay, that's fair. So there's there's lots of problems here. And for him to be that disconnected tells me there's there's something wrong. There's a lack of compassion. Rather than being, I've said this before, and I'm going to steal. This and I'm going to carve it on a on a on a stone wall somewhere. Those who claim to be the most compassionate are usually the ones who demonstrate pa- compassion the least. You can carve that in stone. I don't know why it is, but it's true. Those who preach compassion are most often the least compassionate. Maybe that's the way I'll surma- summarize it, because, man, I'm telling you, I've had so much n- of nonsense, uh, just tired of this, uh, you know, we're told over and over again that uh, we have to be more caring, more compassionate, we have to, how come you're such a hater? How come you're, you, you, you just hate? No, I don't. Hate and anger kind of go hand in hand, and I'm not angry. I don't hate anybody. What? Justin Trudeau would probably call me that, even though he demonstrates more hatred, more arrogance, more condescension than any public figure I've seen in a long time. And that's saying something. All right. I think we have time for one more quick commercial break. When we get back, we'll wrap her up. You guys stay right there, and we'll be back with more.
7: 17 years I've been taking my cars to Irwin's Motion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra. Eight bays and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money and headaches, but fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion, 34 Cleopatra. Tell them council sent you. That'll make him smile.
0: Yeah.
1: Last segment of the show, folks. So if you want to get those tickets, you better call now, 343-700-4390 for Laugh Passes to Yuck Yucks down there on Elgin Street, 292 Elgin Street in the Nation's Capital. You can also call me at 844-562-4766. All right. Just as to wrap, wrap up kind of where we started with this whole Women's Day thing, there's a story out of CBC News that says first black female mountie pushes for more diversity in senior positions. <sighs> okay, and I want to ask you a question, and I know I, I beat this, I beat this with a stick, but do you care? Does it bother you whether somebody is male or female, black or white, indigenous or Asian? Does any of that matter to you? Doesn't matter it couldn't I, I can't tell you how much how unimportant that is the only thing that matters is are they the best person for the job that should be the only standard we ever look to because it's the only one that means anything if you had a choice let me let me give you an just use an example you're going in for heart surgery now do you want who do you want holding the scalpel? The best visible minority heart surgeon, and maybe that maybe the best heart surgeon available is a visible minority. Okay, but do you want that surgeon selected not because he was the best or she was the best, be, but because she was the best visible minority one uh, heart surgeon, or do you want the best heart surgeon regardless of whether they're a visible minority or not? It's your heart they're holding the knife over. Who would you pick? This is why diversity doesn't matter. It's a waste of time. It's nonsense. Because it doesn't matter. It really, really, really doesn't matter. What matters is the skill of the person holding the knife. That's what matters. Because if they're going to open up your chest and replace valves or pull out the ho- the old ticker and put a new one in, you don't care about any. You're going to be <laughs> sound asleep anyway. You better be, um, you know. So none of it matters. None of that stuff matters. And yet we keep hearing this over and over. There's also the whole thing about the, wa- the wage parity gap, which is another huge lie. This whole idea that men make more than women. Well, no, not really. When you factor, when you look at it from, you know, from all different angles it works out to make about the same with a whole bunch of factors thrown in to kind of balance things out. The kind of work accepted, the kind of hours worked, you take maternity leave into account, these kind of things. Uh, really, they kind of balance everything out. So this is just another of the feminist lies we hear, uh, the left-wing lies designed to forward an agenda. They've already... A, like, <clears throat> The thing with groups like this is once, the, once they have achieved their original goal... Uh, and they've got their their money-making machine all set up, and everybody's got fancy jobs and offices, they have two choices. They can either say, well, mission accomplished, and shut it all down and go home and go back to the real world, or they can find another cause to champion. The problem is, even though the first one might have made sense and was actually a good idea, the longer you keep that up, the more radical your ideas become. And that's what happens in a lot of these uh, NGOs and a lot of these um, uh, organizations designed you know, to be um, pro this or pro that or, or just to, you know, uh, lobby groups, I guess is the word I'm looking for in a general sense. So all this wage parity and diversity and, and all that kind of stuff. Here's another example. If you're trapped in a fire and you're on the fourth floor, and the only way to get to you is by a ladder, Um, do you want the best firefighter, uh, you know, who do you want climbing the ladder to to rescue you? The biggest, strongest firefighter they can find or the biggest, strongest female firefighter or black firefighter or Asian firefighter because they had a quota to fill. So they had to lower the standard in, in order to allow certain groups in that otherwise wouldn't be able to make it. In other words, they throw a merit at the window, and now you're left standing there with the best of the rest. Now, I'm not disparaging any of those groups. That's not the point, because any of those groups are going to have people within it who could meet that standard. I'm talking about a physical strength standard, because if you're carrying my butt down a a four-story ladder, you're going to want to have some meat on your bones. I'm not a small guy. I'm no 400 pounder, but I'm not and I'm not 98 pounds soaking wet either. So I want some big burly guy coming up the ladder, not some 120 pound you know person who who has trouble lifting up the O2 bottle to put on, the ba- on their back. Anyway, so I've rattled on long enough about that. Uh, that pretty much wraps up the show tonight, folks. Thank you all very much for participating. I certainly hope that you'll join me again next weekend or next weekend next. Uh, Next Wednesday night, we'll have more on the Naked Night Show. So, with that, we'll say good night. Ubiqueritas et amor, CBS. Good evening, God bless, don't let anything disturb your peace, and may you have a fair wind and a following
8: sea. All the money that e'er I had, I spent it in good company
4: and all the
6: harm ever done
1: a last it was
7: And drink a health, whatever befalls. Then gently rise and softly call. Good
0: night and
1: joy be to you all. Of all the comrades that ere I had, their song. And all the sweethearts that e'er
4: I
6: had They'd wish me one more day to
0: stay But since it fell into my lot That I should rise and you should
3: not I'll